was it? Spirits in a material world, right? The police. Yes. Spirits of? In in spirits in a material world. The police. So we uh, we picked this uh, song on purpose. Um, this morning, I was like, Shane, we need a song to tee up our combo. I was looking for songs that related to Lincoln. <laughs> Not a lot of Lincoln-themed songs out there, no, Abe Lincoln. Man, that's, that's a good trivia question. I found one about that, the Fitzgerald, Wreck of the Fitzgerald. Yeah, right. That's, like, that doesn't that's work. as far as you can get. Yeah, that's right? as far as I get. That's, <laughs> That didn't work. Yes. So, um, yeah, Spirits and Material World. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghost in the Machine is the name of the album. Police. And the reason I thought that is because you do such a great job taking your business, which is material, uh, tangible, uh, tactile, and it's full of all this soft, rich, Spirit, and that's what this album is about. Yeah, really. The whole album? I think so. Yeah. The name of the album is Ghost in the Machine. And if you think about it, it's like, all right, there's this machine, but inside there's this thing that's alive and invisible. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's TTX, Brandon Kenny. Well, hey, cheers, brother. Yeah, thank you. Yep. It's a high marks. Yes. And we're drinking some interesting uh, tequila here, Shane, of course, uh, although I don't mind. Anytime. <laughs> Barjalito. I like the Barjalito. It's real good. This three-star, by the way, three-star. And then Brandon and I at this moment are sipping a little Roca Patron Añejo. It's really good. I got to say, I love it. Yeah, it's good. So, so first-timer. My, 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 uh, my little run there was a success, I guess. Yes. Yeah, well done. All right, good. Mm. Well done. Well, so, you know, we love talking about... Um, businesses. We love talking about your business <laughs> specifically. Uh, welcome back from uh, back in uh, episode 001. So mm. this is what is 014. 14. C. 14. Yep. C, senor. <clears throat> so, um, of course, we're doing book club yeah. as well. So uh, here's our team arrivals right there. Yes. Uh, you got the hard copy. Uh, the uh, hardback. I love that. It's just this a uh, softback and a book this substantive is a little schizophrenic. It's a little like not I not agree. not uh, it's not represented right softback. But anyway, there's a regalness to the hardcover. That's right. Kind of goes with the yeah the book. That's right. I agree. Well, so what are you getting out of the book so far? Where are you at on it? How far in? Mm-hmm. Three chapters. Mm-hmm. I think it's maybe 120, 30 pages. Mm-hmm. Very meaty read. Yeah, for mm. sure. Uh, I think the overwhelming sense of the background is very humbling. Just the the meager scenarios of the four men that are yeah. put together. It's just yeah. if you think you're having a bad day or, ha- or having a tough go <laughs> yeah. in life, and yeah. things are going going the way you want them, yeah, that'd be a real good chapter to read. Uh, just mm. to resettle into yeah. tragedy, pain, which it underscores the the thing that you and I have shared a bunch, and I don't know where to attribute it to, but the idea that hard times make strong men mm-hmm. and women. 
but mm-hmm. the idea in the chapter is goodness from where they came. Yeah. It's a shock. <clears throat> I found it I and um interesting how different well they all had uh, all four of them well and so it's a little bit of review um the author doris kearns goodwin is in the first well i'd say part of the book uh she's doing a first half of the book mm-hmm. doing a ton of uh background especially these first three or four chapters background on these four players these four um well, the premise of the book is these four guys um, go to uh, to the uh, Republican, the first Republican primary. Yep, because um, it was just developed. That's right. right. And Lincoln was the founder of the Republic, Republican Party of Illinois. Uh, the other guys had different party affiliations and ended up at the Republican thing. But mm-hmm. but it's really the the story of these four uh, four guys running for nomination. And then how Lincoln beats them, and then uh, of course gets elected in 1860, and brings those other three guys into his cabinet, uh, and that's the title "Team of Rivals." And it's really, really fascinating how different they are, even mm-hmm. though they have they have very similar, some mm-hmm. very similar tragedies and yeah. so forth. But uh, one of the things that jumped out at me right away uh, was that Lincoln was very different from the other three. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, the other three had a ton of education, ton of uh, I don't know. Well, education for sure, uh, and then perhaps means like wealth of mm-hmm. some sort, or at yeah. least history of that. Um, was it Chase? Got pretty poor at one point in his childhood, but he had still had yeah. opportunity and serious education stuff. But uh, but good old Lincoln had nothing. He had almost no bright spots. That w- yeah. that really came through. Yeah. That ch- chapter one. So having read three chapters, yeah, it's fresh. Yeah. Chapter one is basically a study on where those men were that day of the nomination, mm-hmm. and then chapter two is their four stories. Mm-hmm. Up until the point they got into politics, and then three is their journey or in early politics before the nomination. So yeah. it's so far it's been all backdrop yeah. that I've read. Yeah, but yeah, the the idea that so many, so much strength and wisdom and intelligence could come from such meager means is a real testament. Yeah, to the the American nation and the dream that I yeah. think she already underscored. Yeah, several times the idea that. With uh, with an intellect and will, there should be no limit to what yeah. a man can accomplish. Yeah. And, uh, really Here's a little something from Chapter 3. This is the first, this is the introduction, I suppose, to Chapter 3. In the only country founded on the principles that men should and could govern themselves, where self-government dominated every level of human association from the smallest village to the nation's capital, it was natural that politics should be a consuming almost universal concern. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I don't know that, I mean, politics is a big deal mm-hmm. now, but I don't think it's as big a deal now as it was then. I don't mm-hmm. think we're, it's almost like we're too far from the, if you will, the miracle of our founding. Yeah. You know, uh, I agree. I don't feel like I'm mildly interested. I've been more interested at times in politics, but I'm just not, I mean, I think it's super important. Mm-hmm. We elect and all that, 
but I just can't seem to muster up more than a mild interest and a determination to go vote. When it is a big deal, it's not for the same reasons. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Not to the same reasons as these guys. Mm -mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. It's more hype. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a lot of civility, too, Mm -hmm. to the discourse. They Mm -hmm. talked about the newspapers and the men who were writing for the Democratic papers versus the Whigs or the Liberation Mm -hmm. parties and how they... Mm -hmm. They socialized and mm-hmm. collaborated mm-hmm. and had a, a lot of things in common. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, mm. you know, unthinkable that, that they would be sitting around having a conversation and mm-hmm. debating it and then go home and be friends or be yeah. a part of the same community and yeah. not be a bit of rivals. Where today it's a real private thing. Mm-hmm. You know, your politics are not something mm-hmm. that are really able to be discussed yeah. in a public forum yeah. without it getting, for fear that it gets yeah. too heated. Yeah. Know, or like the, it's just too yeah. much for that social context to discuss. Right? Yeah, it's some somewhat uh, somewhat risky to be. Hey, here's my yeah. Here's what I think about that. Here's my plank, if <clears throat> you will. So uh, yeah, it uh, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder. Um, it, it seemed like also they were malleable. Mm. I mean, they've at least <clears throat> the, the Republican Party was a. Uh, uh, a reforming of like three or four parties, Whigs being, wasn't that the oldest one, I think, if I remember right. But uh, I had it written down here, Whigs, the do-nothings, um, the... Uh, free soilers. Free soilers, that's right. <laughs> like, hey, somebody that's should, a cool have, one. Somebody should <laughs> have taken a, done a take two on that one. Right. You know, that's, here, what about the free soilers, <laughs> you know? Um, well, the know-nothings, the Whigs, the free soilers. Seems like there's one other one it's in descriptive. There. Yeah. But, um, yes. So, but, but malleable almost. Mm -hmm. And there's a, I don't remember which, which one it was. Um, Chase changed parties a couple times and kind of had a reputation of, it didn't serve him well Mm -hmm. that he changed parties a couple times. But I remember there's one particular set of letters uh where his buddy one of his buddies was like yeah you changed parties mm-hmm. but i still love you and yeah. st- and it was yeah it was very uh i don't know if amicable is the right word but heated and intense but still yeah. everybody understood that this is a malleable situation yeah. seemed like there was one sequence where the, i think it was in new york there was a democratic newspaper that she quoted mm. about uh, it was one of the Republican candidates, and it was very eloquently and kindly written. Mm-hmm. You know, even though his persuasions were different, mm-hmm. it was written in a way like this is an admirable man who mm-hmm. is yeah. electable. Yeah, it wasn't like uh, yeah because he disagrees about these few issues, he's yeah. despicable and yeah. you know yeah, yeah. you know couldn't be considered. Yeah. Which was in the, was printed in right. the newspaper, That's which right. is like you know yeah. it's incredible to think about that being in the consciousness of that people in that time. Yeah, it's kind of like they said. Uh, we don't want you to elect this guy, but we have a hard time not liking yes. him for these yes. reasons. Yep. You know, <laughs> like, oh, that was cool. Yeah. Another thing that stood out to me was how papers were, like they said, all right, I, this is a Democrat paper. Now we're going to give you the news. Yep. You know, they came right out with, here's our yeah, alliance affiliation and all that. And now it just seems like, 
it's like you know what I'm talking about. We kind of it's like the yeah. folks try to keep right. their affiliation under wraps, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. I mean, it's it like work, you know, yeah, either really, side. Yeah, and, yeah. With and it's I, that's why I like the Epic Times. Mm-hmm. By the way, yeah. um, I suppose there's some other paper I should probably like as well, but. You know, the Epic Times are like, hey, we are conservative. We love America. We hate communism. Mm-hmm. Uh, we came right out of Tiananmen Square, China, blah, blah, blah. China should be uh, dealt with in a mm-hmm. very uh, robust way. Now, here's the news, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Now I get it. I see where you're coming from. So mm-hmm. I like that. There's a word, in at least in my case, have not been used to using the word charity outside of charitable giving or charities, Mm -hmm. but the idea of treating people with charity or Mm -hmm. maybe the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. and assuming there's a good person there and you just disagree for different reasons. Being charitable that way is, Mm. seems to be a lot more reticent in that time. Even though it, like you said, there may have been more passion, true, like real passion about buy-in and care for the young country at that time. But it was still, um, I, felt, I think the read I got was much more civil. One of the other things that really stood out to me, speaking specifically of Lincoln as she's building the story, is his ability to sympathize. Mm. And calling that out as um, being able to relate to what someone else was feeling mm-hmm. or thinking and how that impacted mm-hmm. his presidency but yeah it was like a, a superpower we sometimes yeah. when we're interviewing yeah. somebody will ask right. like hey what's your superpower mm-hmm. if, if somebody were to, were to mm. you know put it to you that way what's the thing about you that really resonates with your friends or family and it seemed like sympathy is the thing with him that really came through yeah. which there was a yeah. touching letter he wrote to some mm. daughter whose dad had died mm. in the civil war mm-hmm. and just how he could relate to the the plight she felt mm. and took the time to write several paragraphs of like sorrow has reached your household and I'm so sorry for that. And you could just tell it was mm. kind of him writing it, probably crying yeah. or, you know, it, feeling the yeah. motion of it. Yeah. It wasn't politics and PR yeah. and all that. For sure. Yeah. That was interesting how, it, and I would say, I would use the word empathy maybe is yeah. uh, where he was, he was good at putting himself in somebody else's shoes. Um, there was a, I don't remember which chapter this was in. <clears throat> but how he took the southern, the south, uh, southern approach, or at least he said, "Hey, these folks in the south, uh, slaveholders, have uh, a lot at stake. Mm-hmm. And if this thing <clears throat> goes away, the slavery thing goes away, here's how it's going to hurt them, uh, and here's why they're having a hard time." dealing with this let's understand that you know, he was sympathetic to that and he and some people didn't like him because of that because it wasn't hard-edged you know like this on the seward side seward mm-hmm. seward kind of took the uh abolitionist side pretty strongly yep. and so did what's his name chase yep um bates it's funny bates uh the third guy um was pretty ambivalent about mm-hmm. slavery and it was almost like yeah you know well Mm-hmm. Some folks have them, some folks don't. Mm-hmm. You know, let's not get too bent out of shape about yeah. it. You know what I'm yep. saying? And, and Chase is like, it's not in the Bible, you know, essentially. And then and Seward was um, pretty close to 
violently opposed mm-hmm. to it. You know? Yeah, which it seemed that their experience had shaped Chase being a lawyer in Ohio mm-hmm. and dealing with the laws about returning slaves to the South once they escaped to Ohio being on the border of a slave state. And it was a really poignant story that was told about Seward and his wife, I think. Was it Seward? And his wife yeah, took a, took a right. trip in yep. the South, and they that's saw right. the abuse mm-hmm. of, saw like a line of 10 slave boys and girls right. being abused yeah, yeah. and, you know, just being put to sleep on a dirt shed, in a dirt shed and just yeah. crying themselves to sleep. And just, yeah. you know, you see something like that, and that'll change your desire when you get back home yeah. to, yeah. you know, stump for rights and changing the world you know but if you haven't seen i mean it just i'm sure the south tried to whether through the newspapers or just debating probably tried to paint it in its best possible light yeah you know and what it did for families and it all works together you know it was the kind of the seems like the sound of the day Mm -hmm. yeah they didn't buy it in particular those two and then lincoln yeah. Well, it's uh, so far it's a great read. Um, I uh, we're a couple of chapters ahead. We're getting up on. I think we. Um, how far have you gotten? I got. I finished six, but I went back. Yeah. Because I couldn't remember people. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back to halfway yeah. through five, so, and I'm, Brandon, I'm listening what's your, again. What's your favorite name so far? Uh, our most colorful. Uh, <laughs> any names stick out? You're like, what the heck? There are some that stick out. Gosh. What were your parents thinking? Thurlow. Thurlow Weed. Thurlow Weed. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, you yeah. know, and that you can't help but come away from those early chapters and not c- hear about the relationships that these mm-hmm. candidates had with their. Second in commands, or you know, mm-hmm. campaign leaders, or yeah. you know, best friends. Yeah. The way that they wrote letters to each other, the way they spoke to each other, yeah. and I thought she did a good job of explaining like how we might interpret that in twenty twenty two versus how it yeah. would have been interpreted in eighteen fifty. Yeah. But that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's passionate language. Yeah, um, which is a little awkward today. Yeah, yeah right. To read that, it's yeah. like, Wait a minute. I mean, right. you're just kind of like thinking about the reality TV show mm-hmm. version of those words rather yeah. than. The, yeah. Well, that one uh, was a guy's name, Speed, uh, Lincoln's best buddy. Yeah. In his youth, uh, like early, mm-hmm. uh, maybe in his 20s, 20s and 30s or something mm-hmm. like that. And they were talking about, like, and folks have written, like, well, he must have been gay because they're mm-hmm. sleeping in the same bed and all that. And she was like, look, they all slept in the same bed because there's only, there's one bed and three guys, you know, and that's just how you did it in the boarding houses is there, there weren't many beds. Mm-hmm. Plus it was so. expensive. Yeah. Yep. You had to have a lot of money to have your own yeah. bed. Yeah. She was fairly, I think, I, I feel like she was fairly left, left it like, well, he might have been, but what does it matter? Yeah, right. You know, it's kind of like, who cares? I think she basically ended a sentence with saying, like, they just weren't as obsessed with sex as we are today. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, the idea right. of, like, well, what happened? Yeah. You know, like, well, yeah. um, it's, None it's, you? it's not, yeah, I mean, <laughs> It was never written, and it seems like they wrote everything. Yeah. So, yeah. but, you know, yeah. it's just different. That's one of my takeaways, too, so far, is like, wow, these people were writing up a storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I'm were they using, you know, so I have here, <laughs> you know, you recognize this? It's a good one. Yeah, that's a good yeah, pen. My, this pen, so, by the way, I got from Brandon Kinney years ago. Do you remember, when, how, when was that? It's been like seven years or something. Probably. It's probably so, been a, uh, yeah. There's a lot of ink in that thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it takes the G2 pilot insert, so it is very hefty. <laughs> I don't know if you can see that up there, yeah. Um, but at one point, I'm thinking about their pens mm-hmm. because some, not some, one of them uh, was off somewhere and was writing. I think it was Bates was off somewhere and writing constantly, like every day to his wife, and she was writing to him, and mm-hmm. um. And it was Bates, by the way, that they described his office or his uh, how he his uh, work day. Yeah. And he had this <clears> desk, <throat> and yeah. he smoked six cigars a yes. day. <laughs> like, basically lit man. The, lit the next one off the yeah. one. Yeah. That sounds like a good day. You know. I now, don't know how you could uh, start it early. <laughs> that would to build yeah. up a tolerance. Of that. Yeah. Well, there's that saying: you can't be a, you can't drink all day unless you start early or something. Have you heard of that? Yeah. <laughs> It's not a very smart thing to do, but but it was interesting how much like that desk was set up so he could write mm-hmm. and pound out letters. I'm like, man, that like what do you like? I make mistakes all the time when I'm writing and I'm scratching stuff out. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, man, that, I don't have a. I would need like whiteout, you know? I like ah oh, shoot, ah oh, shoot, you know? And I'm I I just can't. I don't have the discipline to scroll out a bunch of yeah. well thought out verbiage uh linearly without botching it up right you know what i mean it's that was very interesting to me and i if i may say no uh insult intended those men were more intelligent than you and me yeah they read oh, everything yeah, yeah. and memorized whole oh, sections crazy. Mm-hmm. Yep. whole plays and whole books of the bible and yeah. Whole, you know, comedic right. acts and like when you when you train the brain yeah. ten times the to the the ability that we do, yeah. You end up probably having to use less white out. <laughs> here's your pen and here's your white out. <laughs> Great. You know, it's interesting. We at some I don't know I don't know if we'll have the intelligence to look back. But at some point, I mean, here we are looking back going, hey, this digital experiment, mm-hmm. how's that going? You know, and our forefathers are going, not well, you know, <laughs> stop, you know, yeah. kill your iPhone. Um, but someday, I don't know if, I, like, we look back on horse and buggy, and you're like, yeah, that must have been terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but really, I mean, I mean, they're, you know, it's pretty convenient to drive around, but there's something lost there with... Yeah no doubt the old school stuff and so one of the things i want to talk to you about or talk discuss is your how you uh have taken your business ttx and um really pushed against a common trend uh that is the common trend is less good and you're making a way for a better trend and bucking the kind of current mm-hmm. current way of doing things. And, you know, this even comes back to our, our intro song. You know, you got a, you got a code you're working off of and, um, talking about virtual work, uh, talking about, well, why don't you talk about that for a minute? Your virtual policy, virtual work from home policy. I mean, we just shifted a big old gear, but yeah. but this is going back to hey, there's some old school ways of doing things that are smart and healthy and rich. Uh, and as we're reading this book, we're like, oh man, that's 
we're missing some of that and we're poor poorer as people because of it and you're grabbing onto some of it and the good stuff and put it in your business so why don't you talk about that well thanks for i'm trying i'd say you know we're trying we're trying to yeah we're trying to do that part right you know trying to honestly put people first and we stub our toe in that area and we haven't done it right our whole time um and we're not perfect but i i do think we're trying to Mm. put put people first in every aspect of our business and and use that as the the guiding star and i think the the question about about remote work probably the the most succinct answer is prior to march of 2020 we all worked in the office every day and i always felt like the benefits that we got from being around each other were significant um not from a management standpoint you know like making sure everybody's working and you know our our keys being punched on keyboards Mm -hmm. and you know how many calls we've taken but Mm -hmm. more just you know being able to see how how busy we were from a support standpoint how many Mm -hmm. calls are how many people are on the phone um stress levels with people you know like how are they sounding and 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 then of course the relationship aspect which i've always highly valued i think as much or more than most ceos probably um you know to build friendships on the hard work that provides a platform for um, more than just a work employee employee relationship I've always really valued the friends I've made so I think so before that that was who we were and then we sent everybody home and um, you know there was a time there where everybody sent everybody home Mm -hmm. but then shortly you know a few months later we were being IT we were one of those essential businesses Mm -hmm. who could bring everybody back in and we recognized at that point we didn't have to and those were scary times. You know, we were all watching the president debrief the nation every day. And, you know, we were watching uh, Mercy Ships coming from mm-hmm. California around to New York. And we were watching, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the facts and figures. And we were all kind of just like, hey, this is there a way that we could work remotely even though we could come back? Mm-hmm. And the team did an amazing job of not taking advantage of that. And, you know, we, we, didn't, have it, we didn't catch anybody. Um, you know, sleeping at nine o'clock in the morning when they were supposed to be clocked in. We didn't catch like calls getting missed or away messages being left too long. In fact, we saw the opposite. Mm. We saw more calls getting answered because we were in high demand and we saw, um, you know, people looking for the positives and, um, and so it was, but it was all people focus, you know, it was people focus, like being focused, management being focused on the employees because, it was a scary situation and kids were home from school and spouses were not working. And, mm-hmm. and, and then all of us looking to our clients saying like, these clients really need us right now. And, you know, we're fulfilling a really essential thing. And I think now that we're in a different climate with COVID and, you know, most of the restrictions are gone and life is kind of back to normal. We're looking at a remote work policy through the same lens, mm-hmm. which is what's best for people. And, um, we believe, which, you know, not everybody believes this or maybe strongly enough to, to get out in front of it with the policy, but the policy that we've launched is that uh, we believe it's important for people to be together regularly on a weekly basis mm-hmm. and in person, um, in the same room, because it cheats people out of a relationship that the investment's already there. You're already working hard for 40 hours a week. If you're working hard around other people that respect 40 hours of hard work, 
you have a relationship there. Mm-hmm. If you're not in person, you can't take advantage of it. You know, it's, it's left unavailable to you. And, um, and because that's, that exists and also because, um, as an, as an IT organization and a market that focuses on product, we're focused on people and bringing those relationships forward. If the relationships aren't healthy, then we're not going to be who we say we are to our clients. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll break that promise of being unique that way. And, um, and we'll miss out on an opportunity to enjoy the work we're doing together. And uh, so all those things together, uh, you know, kind of pushed us to the point to say, like, hey, we think it's healthy for us to be together regularly. And, you know, you just look at other human relationships. You know, you can, like when I travel away from home, I miss my wife, I miss my daughters. But through FaceTime and through text and phone call and email, I can sustain the culture of my household. The culture hasn't changed at home, even though I'm gone for a week or two or three. But if I'm gone for months or a year, the culture starts to change. The yeah. things that I used to do in the presence of my wife and children are, are changed. Mm-hmm. The way that the house looks normally has changed because I'm not there. The very presence matters for the culture. And so we've done a really good job, I think, of sustaining the culture we had prior to COVID mm-hmm. as best as possible with the means. But the culture has changed. Mm-hmm. And some people started in 2020, in 21, in 22. Mm-hmm. And they, ha- they don't have that culture to lean on. So it's kind of like the only marriage, not to stretch that analogy too far, the only marriage they've had has been a remote one. So they yeah. they don't they don't have that memory and field of relationship mm-hmm. that was hard, you know kind of cultivated prior to COVID. They have just what it is now, which is like I, I sit in my basement or you know sit in my kitchen and I work all day, and um, we come in for a quarterly meeting or whatever. And but that's that's what it means to be at TTX, and that's a least common denominator that we want to move back up mm-hmm. to um, a more significant one. Yeah. I love your uh, strategic niche. Well, so let me back up. Uh, when when we're working with clients, and we've worked together for many moons, many winters. Many winters. <laughs> it was in the winter of the brown bear. Mm. Then we, <laughs> the great bear. What was it from uh, not Dancing with Wolves? Um, uh, not River Runs Through It. The Last Mohicans? Uh, no, uh, the other Brad Pitt. Uh, Legends of the Fall. Legend of the Fall. Legends of the Fall. Yeah. You ready to try the next one? Yeah, I am already trying it. Oh, I'll keep trying it. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I like this better. Yeah. Uh, So far, my the organic. My impression is Hmm. is that what it is? Yeah, it's organic. It's a lesser expensive. Uh, yeah, by ten bucks. Ten bucks. Yeah. I don't know. It just has a little different. Um. I would say it's more accessible. I don't know if that <laughs> means anything. No, because it went right from the bottle to your glass, so it's yeah. I mean, all accessible. It flayed the flavor smoother. It makes more sense to me. I was being very. I think it is smoother. Yeah. Is that what you call it? <laughs> I, I, I would say it just has a little less bite to start. Mm-hmm. That that heat that uh, hmm. feels like that barrel was opened longer ago than the other okay. one. Okay. Still off gassing a bit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, yeah, so strategic, strategic niche, many niche, moons together, many Sorry. moons together. So uh, we, well, so uh, one of the things I've noticed in working with 
multiple clients over the years is that the quote unquote secret sauce, if you sit down with 10 companies of the same stripe, Mm. if we sat down with 10 IT companies like your similar to your similar size, similar market, maybe the same market. If you think about some of your, I'm going to use the word competitors, but there is no mm. such thing. Mm. You know, you're in a category of one, but I'm trying. So, yeah, now you're succeeding. That's right. Um, and we kind of go, all right. Here's the secret sauce, buddy. They it would go, it would go right over the head. Mm. You could literally, no, no, no. This is it. Like you, this is how it works. And I, and they'd be like, no. No, it's not. <laughs> like, okay, I can't help you. But so this, in in a sense, is part of your secret sauce, as in the niche uh, that we that you in, inhabit. Uh, and I asked you this a month ago or so. Um, what are you in the business of? Mm. And that's really. And we had on our last podcast mm-hmm. we talked about that strategy mm-hmm. a little bit in thirteen. Which just comes really handily after the thing we talked about, the Shane and I, in our last episode. But uh, answering the question, what are you in the business of? And you said, we are in the business of making IT enjoyable. We make the business of IT enjoyable. Yep. Uh, and, and that's, you know, it's kind of like, it's like, say, it's like a law firm going like, yeah, you're going to, mm. you're going to love this lawsuit. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're. You know, this will be, you know, the best experience you've ever had, uh, mm. you know, going through your IRS returns or whatever that you <laughs> screwed up. You know, IT, once you get to the IT and you're like, dang it, I need some mm-hmm. IT. You know, it's like something's uh, something's a little. Yeah. If you're paying attention to IT, maybe that's the way. As a, as a business owner, if you're like, oh, I need some IT, something's going wrong. Yep. Right? There's a, there's a, a problem. And I if love you're talking that. about IT in the staff meeting. It's because yeah, it's broke. Something's broke, or it's limiting your growth. Something's popped up. There's some friction. Yeah. There's some heat. Something's going on. Some noise. So I love that you make the business of IT enjoyable. And when, and as a niche, as a strategy, and that's the thing about strategy. Like, no, this is this is what we do. Mm. And then everything else revolves around it. So talk about how you do that. What does it practically look like? So when you get up on a, you start rolling into your shop on a Monday morning. And uh, maybe it's a really nice day. Maybe it's fifty degree day, and you're riding your Triumph. Yeah, you know, and, um, somewhere and, between fifty and seventy. Yeah, it's comfort. Yeah, yeah. And you're saying to yourself, "Today, I'm going to help my guys figure out how to make the business of IT enjoyable." Hmm. Um, what do you do? Like, what does that look like? Give me a practical example of how you would do that day in or day out, or go, "Well, that ain't it, there, buddy. Come hmm. here, let me let me show you how to do this." Yeah, well, one of the the first core value we have is people focused, and the way the first way we explain that is you plus TTX, which you being client, partner, employee, mm-hmm. any constituent group of people, you uh, plus TTX equals H squared or happy and healthy. So, I think that I think another way of saying how do we make it enjoyable is that we look for it the environment to be happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, a healthy IT environment is an enjoyable one. You just get to work. Most businesses want the IT to be essentially transparent where, you know, like 
the idea. Right now, I think I have an iPhone 12. My iPhone that I have right now is very similar to the 11 I had and the 8 and the 9, whatever. To the point where now where this phone is essentially transparent to me. I don't think about the phone anymore. I just use the apps on it. Mm-hmm. Because to me, the technology's reached the point where it's just like, it's not in the way. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think about the quality of the camera. I don't think about the way it plays music. I don't think about the the limitations if it's slow or fast i don't even notice if it's slow or fast it just works and uh for most businesses the it is not transparent Mm. and it's very present Mm -hmm. (laughs) or apparent (laughs) yeah and um so the way practically that would work is um you know so we're operating and we have a client who's got a system of some sort that continues to, to plague them and we're supporting it uh, one thing we can do is just fix it. Like part of IT is just to solve problems. So it stopped working, restart it, reboot it, patch it. Um, another way to approach that is to approach that from on a uh, more of a CIO or executive level and say like, Hey, let's get this thing out of the way and make this enjoyable rather than just doable mm-hmm. or effective. I think probably on a day-to-day basis for me internally, internal facing the way that I ensure it's enjoyable. Um, I don't know if you did a survey, I would imagine that over 90% of it employees are burnout. It's just Mm. a very intense industry. Um, a lot of addiction, you know, (laughs) nicotine, coffee, alcohol, whatever you name it. Um, you know, tough, stressful, always on 24 seven high demand. Like I said, when it's working, there's no call when it isn't working, the call's urgent. Um, a lot of industries are like that, so I don't, you know, mean to you know, just stare at our own reality and, and make it true for, you know, make objective statements, but um, preventing burnout, making sure that even though we could get um, a maximum of billable hours from our employees and push for that, um, to not push people past the point that they're able to manage their lives, be good husbands, good wives, good parents, good mm members of their community. Um, and that's something that you have to be careful with in a small business that has a strong sense of identity. People will give more than a hundred percent, you know, I, and that's something I feel important to protect yeses. And, to, mm-hmm. and when somebody says, yeah, no problem. I got that to say, well, like, is it healthy mm-hmm. for you to get that? You know, I appreciate the attitude. Like everybody's out there looking for that. You bet. Um, yeah. I, I got your back, <clears throat> yeah. but, um, but to say, you know, like, Hey, you need to take, you need to take a break. Or like, you don't have to do that right now. Right. Don't. That is not an, an eight out of ten on the Richter scale. That's mm-hmm. a three out of ten. Let's do that Monday. Yeah. Um, which I think because we do a pretty good job in some other areas is more the thing we have to protect against. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have to protect so much against laziness. We have to protect against people working themselves too hard. Mm-hmm. And um, that's hard to do as a small yeah. business. But I think you know, gauging like how's that person doing, and um, mm-hmm. you know, scheduling some space, making sure that we're not overworking people. So do you walk through the office and do you encourage your staff, your, well, I would say your, your VPs, your senior guys yeah. and peeps, <clears throat> senior people. Uh, do you see how I fixed that? Mm-hmm. PC? I saw that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you're walking, so you're like, Hey folks, listen, I want you to walk around make sure nobody's burned out here. Mm-hmm. Is that a, is that an overt statement? I mean, is that something you do? Um, in kind of first person or, or, or front of mind? I'd say I start with the VPs on that. Mm. 
So I think, you know, there's this kind of like, you know, passing the fire down a little Mm -hmm. bit. So to say, Hey, this is important to me. Mm. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. Um, and if I hear something, like if I hear somebody say, you know, I was here super late or, you know, this, you know, I'm feeling it, I'm I'm stressed or whatever. I'm not just going to say like, Hey, thanks. And then move Mm -hmm. on to the next thing and say like, Hey, what's, what's got you at that place? Like, is there something I can do? Is there something we need to do? Is there something broken we should get in a meeting and talk Mm -hmm. about? It's kind of that whole, like, you know, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Mm. Like, how do you say, I want to wash your feet? Right. Um, it's better to just do it. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, I think that's probably the primary way is to model that type of mm-hmm. leadership. And then from there, it's a small enough company with 30-ish employees that you can kind of ask individually at some level, like, hey, how's that person doing? Mm-hmm. And... um and, and and then, you know, one of the challenges for me has always been as a leader, being generally a positive, like positivity is one of my mm-hmm. top five strengths, <clears throat> strengths finder uh, verbiage. Um, it's it, it's hard for people to give me the bad news because they like me in a good mood. So you know? you, they don't come to you ba- with bad <clears throat> news because you're so positive and They like me in a good mood, you know, that, um, mm. you know, it, I think... It, they appreciate the presence I bring, the positivity I bring, mm-hmm. and this the idea of, like, man, I hate to disappoint him because this is so good for us that he's positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always found it difficult to get the bad news. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'll get a report from somebody, and they'll say, like, yeah, man, it's all good. And then, you know, I'll talk to somebody else who has some perspective on that, and they'll say, well, yeah, kind of, but there's some things going on too. And so I've, I've learned to ask better questions. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and also watch better. Just mm-hmm. keep an eye on, like, instead of asking how you doing, mm-hmm. being able to say, like, hey, man, I don't, something's up. Mm-hmm. I can see something's going on with you. Mm-hmm. Or, like, catch a little word. You're like, hey, what does that word mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> use the word there I didn't expect you to just use, yeah. which means you probably got something else and you just yeah. tried to, like, surface hit it instead of, like, mm-hmm. stop. Mm-hmm. So let's go back and... yeah. I try to I try to be intentional mm. about that. That's something you're really good at, <clears throat> by the way. I, when I explain this to other other clients, I'm like, you should try to. And they don't they don't know how they actually. I, well, I think of it as they have these antenna and they're like snipped off, <laughs> like mm. they're like a little butterfly with, <laughs> like they're just like they can't actually can't tell what's going on. They're not. They don't have. I would call that <clears throat> discernment, maybe. Um, and they're not reading the culture very well. And I would, t- I would say that's, that's a talent that true leaders, natural leaders have, mm-hmm. is an ability to take the pulse, the invisible pulse of their culture and kind of spit out or assess it, spit out a readout that's true. Like, hey, yeah. here's where we're at. Here's what I'm sensing. I saw that guy or this thing or that other thing. Um, and uh, and a lot of people aren't any good at that. That's a little bit of a, yeah, like it's mystical to them, you know? I think, so I was flattering again. I, I feel like I'm, I'm just trying to do my best in that regard. I, I don't mm-hmm. think I can write a book about it. But I think one of the things, <clears throat> having experienced this, there's that, I've, I've shared this with you before, but there's this movie Giant with Rock Hudson, Mm-hmm. and Elizabeth Taylor. Mm. And the long and the short of it is there's this great line that comes out of the movie 
where she says something to him along the lines of, you know, money's not everything. Mm. And James Dean says back to her, yeah, as long as you've got it. Mm-hmm. And we, I was just in a peer group meeting last week and we were talking about, you know, uh, a business, it's almost impossible for a business to have a good culture if, if it's not healthy financially. Mm-hmm. Because that is just the one that takes all the energy yeah. from leadership. Yeah. You know, if, if you're, if you're broke or in debt, and this is true in hum, other human relationships, like mm-hmm. you have somebody who disrespectfully borrows a thousand dollars from you and doesn't pay it back. That relationship is broken. Mm-hmm. And you know that, mm-hmm. you know, when you're the one that lent the money and the other person knows that too, because they burned like a major bridge. It's true in a marriage mm-hmm. when, you know, you can't pay your bills. Like it's tough to be mm-hmm. romantic and, yeah. you know, set up a you notch. Know, mo- and, and sympathetic. That's right. And in a business, you know, the leadership cannot be tuned into culture if there's financial dysfunction mm-hmm. because it's just screaming too loud. Like yeah. you can't hear the culture over the noise of the finance. And so I'd say like a lot, I think the antenna thing you're talking about, I think that's probably number one reason why mm-hmm. culture gets overlooked is mm-hmm. because the financial realities are louder. Mm-hmm. It's like listen to an a song, listening to a song at four of culture while you're listening to a song of eight with finance. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you can't hear the one on four. Like, mm-hmm. you're, eight's all you can hear. Right. <laughs> it's drowning all that. Maybe you catch a drum beat every yeah. once in a while. <laughs> yeah. And I think the other thing is leadership being too dedicated to operations. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I've experienced both of these things. Like, our culture has not been what it is today. One, because we've not always been as financially healthy as we are today. So I can hear that. The eight has been turned down. <laughs> And also from an operation standpoint, if you are so busy getting things done that you can't think about how they're getting done and who's doing them and how they're doing, then, um, you know, you, you won't have a clear read on how those people are because you're a part of the process of getting things done. So you can't look at that. I mean, you, you've shared that quote with me a bunch. Like you can't, you can't understand a process well when you're inside of it. Mm-hmm. If you're a part of the operations machine of your company, mm-hmm you're not going to be able to look at operations objectively. Mm-hmm. You're looking at it from your seat within it. And I think that you know, bringing in great, phenomenal people that are doing the jobs that I used to do better than I did them mm-hmm. so that I can do the visionary stuff has enabled me to double or triple my impact mm-hmm. because those other volume knobs are way down. Yeah. And I can hear the culture stuff and I can hear the, um, you know, where individually where people are and, and mm-hmm. if, they're, yeah. if they're doing well or not. Yeah. That's a really good metaphor. I mean, culture is that subtle, quiet, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, sound of almost like, well, so this morning, uh, it's a nice summer day, you know, early summer in June something. What is this? 17th? 17th. 17th. Yeah. Brandon's uh, anniversary. 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 S- 16 years, buddy. Happy anniversary. Thank you. So, Married up. Um, yeah, I was, uh, we have this little screened-in back porch and live out in the country and um, rolled out on the back porch with my wife and just the birds are chirping and, you know, it's 6.30 or 7. Yeah. And there's something about Ohio, Northeast Ohio and the, spring summer the birds go crazy in the morning yeah. and it's glorious i agree it's subtle but um you know but you can't hear that stuff over the racket 
of mm-hmm. highways and you know phones and TVs and all that junk and it's just uh, to in order to kind of sample the beauty of culture you've got to you've got to deal with the din of uh, mm-hmm. of the the racket if you will of profitlessness or mm-hmm. or inefficiencies uh you know wrong product wrong market wrong people wrong seats all that stuff is a big deal and you gotta at least put that fire out yep before you can before that investment that you make in culture uh starts to pay off now i do think they have to go hand in hand i was gonna you know quote uh tom peters from the excellence dividend the excellence dividend he says and many people say this that culture, culture kind of precedes results, and I I agree with that. Um, and I'd say to your point that we have to at least put out the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, culture, I don't think precedes firefighting. You know, yeah. maybe, right? Uh, um, and maybe it does some level. Some kind of culture must, but uh, mm-hmm. you've done a really good For job sure. of of keeping those things in balance and it's almost like they're ratcheting you know you you ratchet up your efficiency and your excellence a little bit and that makes it so you can ratchet up culture and culture ratchets up and then efficiencies Mm -hmm. catch up and yeah you know and it seems like it's a virtuous cycle where you're not just one or the other you're constantly bouncing back and forth but i've actually plotted out so since i took over the company in 2009 so 13-ish years plotted out our um, you know, our revenue over that mm-hmm. period and our, our profit growth. Mm-hmm. And it is very much a stair step. Mm. And I don't know if that's true of how many businesses that's true of, you know, you can, you can kind of make numbers, mm-hmm. say whatever you want them to. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, that's a, that's a cliche, but you know, having sat down and worked on self spreadsheets and then turning them into PowerPoint, there's a lot of different ways that you can move things around. But the, the honest organic growth of our organization has been, a stair step of growth where we get some exciting new clients or, you know, open up a new market. And then internally we've got to change. Mm -hmm. So we've got to scale up in some ways. Mm -hmm. We've got to redo processes because we've outgrown them. And then we've got to focus on that for like a year, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we're ready to grow again. Mm -hmm. And there's a guy, um, Tony Golovich that founded great America financial services out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. The leasing company that a lot of organizations in our space use, and it's a great company, great culture, probably 500 and some employees <clears throat> from nothing that he started. Mm. And uh, up on the wall there in their office, they have a simple quote, I think from him, it's just mm. growth is the enemy of culture. Mm. And the idea that if you're growing, that is waging war on your mm. culture in different ways. Like it's at the executive level, at the manager level, at the employee level, whether it's sales support, whatever it is at, it is stressing culture out Mm -hmm. in some ways. Yeah. And you've got to like constantly put more weight on the other side of the scale Mm -hmm. to keep it in balance. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think that's good. I'm thinking about a number of companies I've dealt with that where growth has been growth is it's disrupting. And in, in some ways it can be a terminal disruption you're not careful yeah. uh but it's always disrupting growth is because you're changing how things used to be you're yeah. stressing out all your all your supplies and your 
processes and structures and yeah. I mean everything. You know, everybody's running thin. Mm-hmm. One big bump comes and it all flies apart. You know, <clears throat> so I love that. Uh, so we worked on uh, about we well we talked about your uh, your niche and then we kind of talked about worked on in the past your what I call strategic fingerprints and we talked about this last episode in strategy but um, talk about your strategic fingerprints and just as a little bit of a update or a summary um, strategic fingerprints are those those uh, pillars that support your strategy uh, where if your competitor comes along they they look at what they maybe they come across a client of yours your competitor which i mean i don't know if you have any but i'm just saying i do yeah we do you do so uh but they come across and are like oh ttx was here hmm. well how do you know oh they do this one thing look you see how yeah. you see this stuff on our there's these fingerprints mm-hmm. on these these clients you know not in an hr sense but uh but uh <laughs> you know they do these things and we you know and that's just how they do stuff mm-hmm. and so they're identifiers they're unique um uh they put you in a different category again category of one yeah and um we talked about this, you and I, in the last session we did together, and um, and I'd love for you to share those Yeah, if you yeah. feel free. Yeah, I think – so we primarily have two areas of focus, IT services and managed services, products, and voice, and, mm-hmm. and cloud services in that area. And um, I think on both sides it's the same. You know, if TTX was here, what does it look like? Um, on both sides there's a surprising lack – of product focus. Um, in our space, there is, um, there's, there's small bit. So we're kind of, we kind of represent a a middle, um, employee count kind of size of business in our Mm -hmm. space where we have some very large competitors and some very small competitors where we have, and what does large look like a couple hundred? Yeah. Several hundred employees. I mean, where we have roughly 30 and then, and then, so up there you have big big businesses that are doing like either nationwide or regional IT services okay. or carrier level companies that are doing voice services like the AT&Ts or 8 okay. 8 by 8s and Ring Centrals of the world that have, you know, thousands of employees. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have very small businesses where generally those are started by an engineer who has an IT services background um, or or a, a small carrier that has a voice background and they start a business and um, – it's very, um, it's limited in terms of its impact, but it's very focused on a few individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very product, those, those organizations are very product focused um, and run by engineers, generally mm-hmm. speaking, people that came from that uh, okay. science. Mm-hmm. And then this big site, so in the large companies, you have certainly public corporations, corporations, businesses that are run by business people, um, but they're, they're not, focused on that market and people in that market. So what I think is unique about us is that we uh, are not looking at the technology as the thing that's going to adhere us to a client. It's Mm. our people, which is the first niche Mm. and way that we explain it is Mm. um, our product is our people. So 
I think, you know, TTX was here. If you were to see that on mm-hmm. a sign or maybe, maybe we like to do swag mm-hmm. stuff. So if, if a competitor would walk in and see a TTX koozie or whatever, mm-hmm. um, most likely that decision maker and the team of people that work with us have, have had some strong relationships with mm-hmm. us. Be like, Hey, I love working yeah. with Nate or I love working with Buzz or I love working with Dave or I love mm-hmm. working with Chris or Brian. Mm-hmm. There's going to be personal relationships. They're going to say like, TTX is a cool brand and they've got the guardians as a client and they're, mm-hmm. you know, the organization's neat, but I really, these five people mm-hmm. have significantly impacted my experience. Yeah. Um, and hopefully they can say that across the organization. Mm-hmm. So leadership, uh, you know, being visible and, um, actually, uh, developing relationships directly with clients as well. And same for employees de- through sales team, project managers and engineers. <clears throat> I think that's the first one of mm-hmm. those is that there's going to be a relationship collateral that's been developed between TTX and that client. Mm. The second one, let me keep going through them. Sure. The second one, um, which we've defined as place is important. Something that would be a distinctive, the idea that, um, so we have, so in our 40th anniversary in 2020, we built, um, a bar in our warehouse with a golf simulator and uh, mm. an employee lounge. Mm-hmm. And it's called Polly's. It's named after a gentleman named Paul who's been with us 35 plus years. And uh, it's a place that um, it's our place. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of whether it's lunches to hang out and mm and hit some balls in the simulator, play pool, or, or just eat back there mm-hmm. and watch TV after hours. Um, again, going back to the core values, one of the, one of the people focused core values is camaraderie. I think we just got to have friendship, uh, which is like quaint, I guess, as an idea, just, you know, it can, there was a business mentality, probably pervasive up till maybe 10 years ago, and the 50, 60 years before that, you can't have be friends with your mm-hmm. people, you know, and those, those things are separate. And our approach has always been like, you cannot be two different people. You are only one person. You have yeah. one mind, one heart, yeah. one amount of energy. And if you work hard alongside somebody, you build relationship. Yeah. To not call that person your friend is... A, a breakdown of language, yeah. you know, it's cause un, it is un, true. Unhuman. Yeah. Almost. It's like, you can't, you can't really yeah. do that. Yep. Uh, it's a logical jump that we've made for some, maybe some social or business reasons to make decisions easier or harder, whatever. Um, so place being important, that place is a big part of our culture. Mm-hmm. The fact that we have that, we invite mm-hmm. clients to it. We do yeah. our events back there. We have prospect events there. We do our company meetings there and mm-hmm. we socialize back there. Yeah. And we're not going to a, a bar. Right. You know, where we're like, where there's all the drama of that, you know, taking a group to a happy hour and, um, you know, mm-hmm. what's required from a time commitment, financial mm-hmm. commitment. We've got it right there. Yep. Um, and it's pretty family friendly, friendly yeah. too. I mean, it's a very, so. one of the things I thought was really cool. I've been there a number of times. Love it. Love playing golf and all that there. Um, by the way, it's a great business development tool as well. Yeah. I mean, this, these, all these things are they're strategic i mean they make the business better which impacts the bottom line you know of right that and, part happened on accident yeah 
Yeah. Came well, it came out honest. Unforeseen, unforeseen value. Yes. That's right. And it turns out to be a good value. Turns out there is That's value right. there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it's uh, very friendly, and we've done some biz dev stuff together there, which has been really cool. One of the things that I loved hearing about with Polly's Place, there are a couple things. One is your guy, Paul, uh, and I've written a little bit about this. I think it's going to stay in the book. I don't. I didn't tell you this, but the other day I was writing a little bit about a compelling vision, and it's got to be compelling to your boots on the ground. I'm like, yeah. warehouse guy. And then uh, wrote a little bit about Polly's Place. Yeah. You know, and your guy Paul had kind of been laboring away out of the ebb and flow of the office, mm-hmm. out in the warehouse, kind of, I'd say maybe in a little bit of isolation. Yeah, He's detached. the only guy out detached. there, yep. right? Only guy out there, yep. Yeah. And so uh, you decided to name it after him because he's been there for you guys for so long, and he kind of doesn't get a lot of cred because he's out of the everybody's view, so to speak. And it was super cool that you named it after him. And then, he, he you know, he took all the glasses. And, dude, I'd love to get... If you, at some point, you yeah, got a couple extra some in your bag. And he's got a, a, an etching of Paul, mm-hmm. like an, a silhouette, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, right? we put it on everything It's now. super cool, buddy. Yeah. Super cool. And Paul is never going to quit that place. I hope not. Well, I mean, he'd be an idiot, too. <laughs> I mean, but the point is, is that uh, is, uh, there's value, not just, this isn't just... It is not just, this is a really good way to run a business, but there's also these reverberations that are measurable fruit. One of those being uh, retention. Yeah. You know, retention is a big deal in an organization. If you don't keep consistent folks for a long time, you have a really hard time. The disruption just is expensive. Yeah. And so this is one of those, one of the, you could call it fruits or side benefits. Uh, it's really a front benefit, but uh, retention and consistency in your workforce. And somebody like Paul, uh, not that he was going anywhere anyway, but yeah. it creates this uh, you know, long-term result, which is your folks are like, man, they love me here. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, we sure do. I think one of the things, too, uh, to, to feed that back to culture hmm. is that we were going to have the bar, hmm. but we asked the company what the best names would be. Hmm. And we got a bunch of names back, and one of them was Polly's. Hmm. And then we took the five best ones, Polly's being one, and fed that back to the company and said, which one of these five do you like the most? Hmm. And it was unanimous that it hmm. was Polly's. Wow. So... It's another one of those examples of like, what are we doing as leadership? We're not doing everything. We're giving the people in the organization the chance mm-hmm. to make a good decision that represents mm-hmm. the culture and the, the organization mm-hmm. itself. So, yeah. you know, I, I, we don't get the credit for that, the mm-hmm. culture, the culture of saying like, we want this to be called Polly's. Yeah. It was a very exciting, like, and as soon as that name came across, that was not a name that occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as that name came across, we were like, well, that's what everybody's going to yeah, vote. No, yeah, like, it's gonna clearly be, it's going to yeah. be Polly's, you know. And yeah. we, st- we still did the vote because it's like we wanted to, you know, yeah. su- support what we promised to do. But we knew yeah. it was going to be Polly's. Sure. So, 
I love that. So place is important. So first, so of course you got your strategic niche, which is uh, making the business of IT enjoyable. So there you go. Like you're mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways. Uh, and then a pillar is our product is our people. Second mm-hmm. pillar, strategic fingerprint is uh, place is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about. Um, so you just read that Elon Musk statement. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that was really a good maybe big boy business not mm-hmm. that i mean we we look at these monstrous businesses and go oh if they're doing it that way that must yeah. be how to do it which isn't really the case very often or always but uh you know that statement uh, um why don't you summarize that for me yeah so the statement that elon musk made for tesla employees was essentially that um If you're going to work at Tesla, you're going to come into the office. And, um, and that is particularly true for managers, which I think was one of the things that really came across Mm -hmm. to me was that Elon Musk understood the need for the managers to be there with, I mean, it's obvious if you're manufacturing something, you have to be there. None none of the people that are zipping parts onto a Tesla model three are working from home, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure that there may be some, you know, engineers, designers, but probably more so managers and leaders mm-hmm. that, you know, aren't Elon Musk who are working from, you know, their Southern California, awesome, uh, ocean view condo or house or, you know, wherever mm-hmm. the facility is. And I think it was as much a warning signal to that group of people that, um, if we're going to innovate, we're going to be working together, not from a home office. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty, pretty direct, and succinct statement that, um, you know, is against the tide of our time right now. If you spend much time on LinkedIn mm-hmm. or reading, you know, what, what are considered to be business magazines, the, I, the concept is like, will we ever come back? Mm-hmm. And like, is office space kind of a thing of the past? And, mm-hmm. and I think probably the one that I see the most, and maybe I just see it because I, it, it, um, twinges me a little bit is the, like managers and owners have finally woken up to the fact yeah. that we don't need to be together. Like yeah. the archaic yeah. kind of caveman thinking of eight yeah. to five Monday through Friday in the office has, you know, finally died. Yeah. And there was a lot of stuff written about what Elon Musk put out. Like, come on, Elon yeah. with the 21st century. Like dummy. that's the guy you're going to yeah. talk about getting with the 21st century. That guy's thinking about the 23rd century, yeah. you know, like maybe one of the only guys. Yeah. And I, and I, I think the tone and perhaps the way that he said it um, is representative of Elon Musk, not TTX or yeah. Brandon Kenny. But from my perspective, it resonates in terms of what what is benefited from working in the same area, not just for the organization, but I think equally as much for the individual. And that's where I waited out the most was could we, and I said this in the, the launch that we did of our policy, could we continue to do what we do on a daily basis remotely? We could. Mm-hmm. And and actually, the numbers prove we can be just as efficient. Mm-hmm. We can close just as many tickets. We can get mm-hmm. just as many good surveys. We can um, invoice as much. We can collect as much. But we won't be special. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what Elon said, too, in the memo was like, we're trying to make the most innovative products on Earth. Other companies aren't doing what we're doing here, but when's the last time they released a great product? And if you think humans working together helps you make a great product, 
then as a business owner or leader, you're compelled, not just for yourself, but for the people to bring that to mm-hmm. the table as policy. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the compulsion we felt not to manage people, not to get more, not to, you know, squeeze more juice out of the fruit, but to make it all better. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the product better, the client experience better, the employee experience better. And I've say, I would say for me personally, that's where my head has been 80% of the time on crafting a remote work policy mm-hmm. has been the employees. What's yeah. good for the employees here? Yeah. Not for me, not for the clients. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which is a little tricky to get, mm-hmm. you know, and we've taken a lot of time. That's why we did. Yeah. It's interesting when we were <clears throat> working through these strategic fingerprints, um, we were talking about, um, your people. So this is fingerprint number one. Our product is our people, you know, I'm like, well, really? Like, is that, you know, and I, I agree with you, Yeah. but I'm like, <clears throat> isn't your product, your product? And, and. Yeah. And, uh, and we kind of kept, we reverse engineered and, and, and I'm like, okay, I think you're right. Your people is your product. And truly, I mean, it's in a service business, it's a little easier to say like in a pure service business, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, I don't know. Law firm, landscaping, law firm, you know, whatever, where it's like the, 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 the thing we're doing is this guy's coming to mow Mm -hmm. your lawn. And you might say, well, is the lawnmower the product or is the afterglow? It's probably the afterglow. So, um, but you guys have a lot of gear and a lot of software and a lot of hardware and a lot of wires and a lot of uh, Mm -hmm. processes and a lot of babysitting, if you will, of tickets and all that stuff. And that's doing the work of IT. But sitting on the other side of all that is some folks. And I love that strategically you're saying that's where our focus is, yeah. is on these folks. And we offer to you, Marketplace, these folks. And that's why you should hire us. Yeah. And we got the same gear as they got. They might have this or that. We might have different, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it all does the same stuff. Bunch of ones and zeros and some different facts and features and so forth. Yeah. Fine. And it may or may not work better for yeah. you. But well, you got some folks. And yeah. I love that. Well, I'd say one way you could say what is what is not our strategic niche. Mm-hmm. So if you're a if you're a forward thinking company and you want the business of IT to be exciting, it's probably not TTX. Mm-hmm. We are not going to be, you know, mm-hmm. riding a rocket out mm-hmm. uh, in IT and finding every new product that comes out yeah. and you know breaking the seals of new stuff that mm-hmm. are that's available. Is that an engineering thing? Do engineers oh. love the kind of high tech? For, What's the wave of what's next and all that? I think that there's a natural attention that gets paid to product if that's what you've studied. You know, if you've gone to school and, and studied computer science or IT infrastructure and then you you know, got your first career and you looked up to guys that had that background and knew more about the products that you were on. And so you, you study and, and many of the manufacturers are making the textbooks. And so there's just this real combined nature of product and business yeah. for that type of person. And, um, and I think what most business owners understand, especially where we're targeted and for businesses like ours, you know, 20, 30, 50, hundred, 150, 200 employees, most of those owners and leaders are not as attracted to the technology as it is exciting, but the technology so that it supports what their business does. Mm. 
and it has more of that transparency factor, which is making it more enjoyable than making it, like I said, exciting or, um, you know, all, we were talking about table stakes earlier, like a ticketing system, um, a network hardware product, a wireless product, a server product, a SAN, a backup disaster recovery plan, antivirus. These are table stakes. Mm-hmm. Like they all, there's four, five, six manufacturers for each one of these things. There's a lot of parity today in those mm-hmm. products because we've evolved. The technology's all evolved to be very similar. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, getting focused on the product ultimately is not the best thing for the client, which is mm-hmm. the third strategic imperative, which is mm-hmm. the idea that our, the value that we provide is in customer outcomes, mm-hmm. not in, you know, the, the technology itself or the, the things that we bring to the table for them. It's mm-hmm. that, did you have a good outcome? Mm-hmm. And the closest client relationships we have, the ones that represent that, you know, that 80% of our revenue from 20% of our clients, that 20%, those relationships not only are the biggest in terms of revenue and impact on both sides, they're the strongest. Mm. That's where the, the, the most sincere relationships flourish. Hmm. where they have five, six, seven relationships inside the organization. That's where our dream to make the business of IT enjoyable comes the most true, is when somebody really pushes their chips in and says, okay, we're going to go with TTX in these areas. And then it's our joy to bring project managers and engineers and support personnel and sales and leadership all to that relationship where that person says, like, I really like working with TTX. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a good experience for me. I know you have my back. You've got me covered. And we say, we love working with you. Like, let's go to a Guardians game or let's mm-hmm. go grab dinner or come to Polly's. Because we enjoy that beyond just like, hey, you're a good account, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And, you, yeah. know, you know, give us X amount of money. Yeah, we like that check. We like in. We like the check. Yeah. And that's, of course, just an essential. But, mm-hmm. again, I feel like that's more table stakes. What, mm-hmm. what makes us happy is when we are enjoying the relationship yeah. that blossoms on top yeah. of all that hard work. Yeah. I love that. And so one of the questions, uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know if it's a litmus test, but we, as we talked about in the last episode, is um, if these are your str- truly your strategic pillars, your strategic fingerprints, and your niche is your the spot that you own in the marketplace, you're in the business of dot, 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 then all your investing you invest heavily in that. Like it, it, you can hold that up and say, uh, so let's say Scott is like, hey, we should spend this money. Or uh, Scott's your partner, right? Yep. And and sitting on top of the checkbook. You know, like yep. He's the uh, checkbook guardian. And uh, so you come to Scott and go, hey, we should spend this money. A good litmus test is, well, should we or shouldn't we, is does it support one of these three pillars? Mm-hmm. If we look at, um, our product is our people. So, Hey, let's, let's cut a check for X. Mm-hmm. Uh, then say, well, does this support the fact that we, our people are what we're putting out there? Uh, and if it doesn't, let's not do it. Yep. Let's not write the check. Um, uh, same thing with driven by client outcome, not it. Uh, so you guys could write a lot of checks for high tech stuff just mm-hmm. because it's new yep. and, innovative mm-hmm. but if it's not going to make your client happy it's not yep. going to change their outcomes well then let's not write the check yep. you know so i love that we just went through a almost two-year cycle on this very thing mm. 
uh, even though we didn't have all the fingerprints called out as completely as we do now, the big shift in the voice world for us is to the cloud space. Mm. Most of the cloud providers are providing their voice systems directly. So you don't need to work with a TTX to support your system, implement it, bill it. But if I sell it to your business, I get a nice commission. TTX does. Mm -hmm. Um, So say, hey, we'll pay you 15% of the 36-month revenue on that. Mm -hmm. We'll handle everything. TTX, thanks for the lead. Mm. And when it comes to renewal time, we'll get in touch with you, and you guys can renew them and Mm. keep getting this money. Yeah. And, um, you know, for us, like, so I would say the businesses like us 10 years ago that were selling phone systems on-premise, supporting them, managing them long-term, upgrading them, um, I would say that 75% of those organizations like TTX went to that business model where they're basically selling cloud services for a referral or commissions check. Their people, not their product. Mm-hmm. Their outcome, they're not the client outcome, not in control of. Yeah, they sold it. They mm-hmm. get paid. They move. You know, yeah. they, they become a sales now. organization or a dealer, yes. essentially, right? Yes, <clears throat> and the product focus or the those carriers are very good at focusing on the features and functions. You know, demonstrating it like this is how you want to live now, instead of the people part of it. Mm-hmm. So we put a committee together with seven or eight people from the organization as a cloud committee to determine like what is the right product for TTX next. Mm. And we were late. Mm. So we've been holding out, kind of waiting for like how is TTX going to showcase its people, be focused on client outcomes and own those outcomes Mm. in this market. And so we evaluated the players out there and did demos and pricing models and found a partner who said, hey, this is a true cloud product. However, you guys implement it. You guys design it, you guys quote it, you guys bill it, you support it. Mm. So it checks the boxes from a cloud technology standpoint where it is truly up there in the cloud. It's operating expense, monthly paid. It's not in somebody's data center locally or in somebody's Mm -hmm. basement. It's truly up there in the public cloud. But TTX gets to have the product be our people and Mm -hmm. be focused on the client outcome and and then actually deliver an implementation that's on site to, mm. to kind of check that place is important piece. And, uh, you know, that product's made in cloud and early days, the returns are really positive because mm. our organization is aligned on it. Not just like sales or mm-hmm. management who's like, Hey, this is good for us. This thing's good for all of us. You know, mm. it's good for project managers, mm. engineers, mm. sales team management. So, it's kind of the way to look, use that as a lens to choose mm. our entry into the cloud space. Yeah. I love it. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, we were talking a little bit earlier. Well, first of all, I love, uh, well, back up. So strategy, and we unearthed this thing that already existed. Right. It's kind of like culture. Now, that's not always the case with strategy. Um, a lot of times when I'm working with a client and we get to this, they're like, oh my gosh, that ought to be our strategy. <laughs> like, yeah. And a lot of times I actually have to kind of like pound on them to get them to think about strategy rather than just like production, yeah. you know, uh, or just improvement of, hey, we're gonna do what those guys do. We're just gonna do it better. Okay, you can make a living doing that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, a good living. Uh, you could build a nice business out of that. But, and not to say that you shouldn't do that, but that's not a strategy. 
you know, that's just being a little better. Yeah, at kind something. of an aim or something. Yeah, sure. So, um, but as, uh, anyway, unearthing those was a lot of fun. And uh, you've been doing it anyway for a while. For So for you guys, that, that stuff was already there. It um, wasn't hard to unearth it. So I wanted to ask you about your interviewing. Uh, we talked about this a little earlier. Uh, you have a great way of, um, I'm going to use the word vetting, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and we were talking about at lunch um, or after lunch, how do you interview for grit? You had mentioned that. Like, it's really hard to yeah. interview for grit. And so what do you mean by grit, first of all? seems like one of the harder things to interview for is the is when the when things get difficult how tenacious or determined will you be in the face of opposition mm -hmm. so one of the questions i used to ask in interviews was all right we hire you mm -hmm. you're here for a year we're parting ways after 12 months what happened mm. what would you say happened also they have to kind of what's your best guess Hypothetically, well, Hypothetically, here's what would make me leave. I hired you. You're here for 12 months. Oh, you're leaving. You come great. in. You give me your resignation. What just happened? Yeah. You know. Have you gotten any interesting, uh, you know? Well, answers? so the reason I say that is like I don't think it hasn't been a great question because, mm. you know, it's it's like the it's the first couple of dates mm. in an interview where everything's great. Like mm. you're attracted to that person. Um, you've heard good things where you're putting your best foot forward. You're dressed right. You smell nice. Go to a nice place. Pleasant things are happening. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's almost impossible to envision yeah. it being hard. Yeah. You're like, this is great. Like, yeah. you guys are great. Brandon, you're great. Yeah. This, I love this building. Like, yeah. I don't know. It seems impossible to me. Right. You know, like, I don't, I guess maybe something came up in my personal life. You know, this yeah. is the answer I've gotten or, yeah. you know, uh, my my family situation has changed mm -hmm. and I had to move out of state or something. Yeah. So it, that was trying to pick kind of at the question of grit a little bit, but mm. <clears throat> the thing that I was saying was, um, has, has benefited us, I think is that, and this is really Jody, who's our talent acquisition development manager, put this process together was to make the process long, not in a way to disrespect something. We're not trying to play some mind game. It's mm. not like, Hey, let's like engineer failure more. Just let's be deliberate. Mm -hmm. um, let's, you know, have an interview and then, so we, the way that it works now, there's an initial interview, like a phone interview, and then we say, Hey, we're going to follow up within a week for scheduling, um, an interview specifically about the core values. Here's our core values. Take a look at them. It'd be great if you could reflect on them. Mm -hmm. It's mostly like your background, tell your personal story. So that's maybe 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. and then, like, Hey, this was great. If we think it went well. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll follow up in a week. Within a week's time, we're going to have a skills interview. So we're, in this one, we're just going to talk about your background in this field. Why do you want to do this? What's your past employment experience? Mm -hmm. um, that goes well. Cool. That went great. All right. We're going to follow up, and we're going to have a, an interview now with the manager and maybe one of the executives in the organization just to talk about. And this is the third now. This third is the fourth. Pass, fourth pass. If you count okay. the phone interview. Okay. Um, so this is the fourth pass, and then it's basically doing that stuff again. So I haven't heard any of that if I'm in the room most of the time, almost all the time I'm, I'm in the room before we hire anybody, depending, mm -hmm. it, it, regardless of department. But then it's usually, if it's on the sales side, it's going to be Nate and the VP of sales. If it's operations, it's going to be Joshua, VP of ops. 
they're kind of doing the whole thing again. So now it's like, you know, for a weaker person, they might be like, hey, didn't Jody like download this stuff to you? I have to do this all again? Like the whole me, dog and pony show? Like mm -hmm. here's here's who I am. Here's what my family was like. Here's where I'm from. Um, and I've picked up on a little bit of like, frustration is a big word, but I've picked up on some latent like, why are we doing this again? Mm -hmm. Which is like, hey man, this is a big deal. Mm -hmm. like, you want a job here. And we're serious mm -hmm. about our culture. I recognize this is your fourth interview. However, if you're getting worn out now, <laughs> what's it going to look like yeah. when the client that yeah. isn't your boss that's paying you right. makes a day hard for you? Right. Or the the prospect that said he was going to buy from you three months in a row still hasn't signed the contract and right. actually just ghosted you for the call you were supposed to be on with him. Like, what is what do you look like then? Yeah. And it's always respectful. Like, it's not... It's not hanging somebody out mm -hmm. and trying to like force failure. Like I yeah. said, it's just you yeah, know yeah. metering yeah. out follow up, them. being yeah. deliberate. And one of the other things about it too is like creating space for something to go wrong. Mm. <laughs> you know, the more time that goes by, the more potential that there'll be evidence mm -hmm. that this is the wrong person. Yeah, something will come up. You know, they they won't show up on time, or mm. they won't bring their resume, or they won't you know take any notes, or like mm. things that we're watching for mm. that. Um, you know, the more mm -hmm. times you meet, the more it's like, well, it's not the first date now. We're like mm -hmm. kind of on the fourth or fifth date. So we're mm -hmm. starting to like, we're not at like the great steak place. Yeah. You know, like you just came to my house. Right. Or. We're going to take go take a walk. <laughs> yes. We're going to take, take a walk. Yes. <laughs> go to the park and throw the Frisbee around or something. Yeah. Right. Or my buddy was there. Yeah. You know, or, and you, or you met my mom and dad, you know, because they were, you know, just leaving. Yeah. And so like things start to pop like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> So that mm -hmm. engineering some space mm -hmm. and being deliberate, stretching mm -hmm. things out, I think yeah. can help. Mm. And it also, for the people internally who are making that decision, kind of creates an attraction where it's like, yeah. hey, we want this person. Like, yeah. she's great. Mm -hmm. He's great. Like, mm -hmm. what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Why aren't we pulling the trigger on this instead of that being one person? You know, which is tough. Like that happens in a lot of hiring scenarios. It used to happen for us too when we were less mature. Mm -hmm. Is that based out of need, you'd be like, "This person's great. I want to hire him." Yeah. And everybody else is like, "Whoa, you know, I saw this. Like, I didn't love that." You know, you're yeah. like looking at one meeting or yeah. one look at a resume, and and then one uh, one internal person is trying to sell that person to everybody else internally. It's like, "Are you sure you want to be in the position where like this is your hire? Right. Like, you're vouching alone. Yeah. Like, we want this you to be a group. This, this yes." Yeah. So it does distill out mm. some of that dysfunction. Yeah. I love how you are you're you're saying uh overtly but also uh sort of uh, subtly that you can't have a great culture without a really good front door policy. Yeah. Like all right, we're going to carefully invite people into the front door. You don't um you don't have a great culture by hastily hiring people. Um, yep. and, and typically what I see is folks hastily hire people and then they hesitate to fire them. Mm. They're far more, uh, I don't know what the word is. Uh, they consider it for far too long far too many angles they're way too slow to let people go mm -hmm. and they're way too quick to bring them in yeah you know and you got to flip that around and dave ramsey says this you know 
slow to hire, quick to fire. I'm like, all right, super simple, you know. I'm like, all right. So, but the point, uh, well, how do you do that? You know, that's easy to say, and yeah, in a sound bite, you're like, cool, that sounds like a good idea. Um, but I couldn't help but notice that you have yourself a process here <laughs> that you know some, and you're following, and yet it may not be really, really robust, but it's there. Yeah, and it's talked about and it's clear that it's there um and that's a challenge well at least in the coaching side of things um that's one of those hurdles that is a little tall for everybody when i get to that point which is like hey let's develop a recruiting slash interviewing process i'm like no we got i think hr's got that you know, like what? What well, this is? If you're inviting people, it's like it's almost like su- subbing out your marriage choice to your personal assistant. <laughs> like, hey, can you just schedule in a marriage for me? Like, <laughs> it's like, what? You don't want that, dude. Like, yeah. what kind of moron are you, bro? I mean, you want to, you want this great situation, but you're just gonna like, kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know, yeah. it's not going to, it's just not going to happen unless you're just darn lucky. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times uh, the success that I see from clients, not a lot of times, half the time, mm-hmm. they're just lucky. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, they didn't even know they, they accidentally hired somebody great. Right. Just, yeah. and they kind of, you know, it's kind of like that in golf. It's like, do you see that shot? Yeah. Like, yeah, I can't do that again. <laughs> like That's just <laughs> fell out of my bag yeah you know what i'm saying i didn't i'd love to do that all the time but you know you i can't claim credit for that yeah you know that's just one out of ten yeah <laughs> watch the next nine they'll <laughs> that'll straighten you out yeah you know so uh, but i do love that that you can't you can't have a great culture without an intentionally investing in yeah. the front end the front process so. i think it was john wooden that said um a great coach can win with talent, but no coach can win without it. Mm. And, you know, it's like no matter how how great a product you have, whatever the, you know, the thing you sell is um, and and how great a management team you have and uh, uh, EOS or mm-hmm. management protocol, mm-hmm. if you don't have great people, you can't, you're not going to be able to win. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're just not – that is a – like Phil Jackson – can't win the nba finals with a team without talent yeah like a great coach can win with talent like those things work together very well Mm -hmm. with with the what they did with the bulls but um yeah Yeah. it's and it's interesting how uh talent alone won't do it you gotta have it Mm -hmm. but you have to have some other things as well yeah to go along with it culture being a being a no-brainer there you can have a bunch of Hot shots that, uh, but if you can't get them to, yeah, form a unified entity, you're in trouble. Yeah, I love this. I love how you put your folks at the center, and that's why we chose that song at the beginning because you're really good at recognizing that there is a soft, uh, profound center to all of what we do. Yeah, that it, the human component, and this is getting beat up. Yeah. Now, it is under, maybe call it under attack might be a little strong, but but the what it means to be human, what it means to be 
profound and uh, mm-hmm. have blood flowing through your veins and and heart and soul and so forth. It's just it's everything's getting digital, mechanical, yeah. uh, and 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 our our sense of our sense of our humanity as we're getting more knowledge it almost seems like we're getting further and further away from the truth of our humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing a great job keeping, um, you know, fighting the good fight here of, hey, we're a bunch of humans yeah. inside of this structure or inside of this mechanical, digital, technical field. Mm-hmm. I love it. What's your tagline? Technically, people matter. Yeah, I knew what it was. But I, was, I know. I love hearing you say it. <laughs> yeah. Technically, people matter. It's a, it's a, you know, we got this technology, but it's all about the peeps. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, gosh, you've showered me with compliments. I think we're, we're doing our best, and I appreciate all those those kind words. I, you know, we, we, we stub our toe in these areas, and our culture is not perfect, but I think we have decided that the place that we're not going to compromise is on people yeah and yeah. and when we make a mistake in that regard we walk it back and make mm-hmm. it right yeah you know, instead of saying mm-hmm. like hey that was just another thing but we mm-hmm. you know say like this is not what we're aiming at yeah we messed this up yep and we're gonna fix it um above any other area where we would walk back and fix things mm-hmm. like billing mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Uh, product choice or whatever like the yeah the people we impact are going to be the places that have the largest consequences for us. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's why I like this work from home policy that we put out. We have, I have labor personally, I have labored over it. Mm. Uh, you know, thinking about the individuals mm. and you know, what's best for, mm. and I, like I said, I've been thinking about what's best for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what's good for the organization is also best for them. You know, we have a mm. strong business, they're stronger. Um, their security is stronger. Their financial situation is stronger as we get stronger. There's that regard. But there's also just, hey, these, these people have chosen to throw their lot in with our organization. We owe them things hmm. that are good for them. So, hmm. you know, we've, we've just kind of, hey, we're going to die on that hill. That's where we're going to fight the battle. Hmm. Well, uh, it's expensive. Uh, maybe that's the wrong word. It's a big investment. To put cult to, to recognize culture is the central um, uh, focus of a great organization, uh, and I'm just thinking back over a bunch of your people choices, a bunch of your swings and misses, a bunch mm-hmm. of your. Uh, you know, how long have you been doing, doing this? Like nine or ten? Thirteen years. Thirteen. Oh nine. Oh nine. Jeez. Yeah. It's so if you if you were to tabulate like oh man I made a bunch of I got a bunch of swings and misses here you know you got millions of dollars yeah and no it's doubt. not a it's not uh, you didn't have to roll back on a bunch of those choices but you have mm-hmm. a great book by the way what's that uh, necessary endings mm-hmm. yeah that's right <laughs> that was a good one yeah it's good what's book. his name Cloud Cloud he, uh, Henry Hen- Cloud Henry Cloud Doctor Hen- Henry Cloud mm-hmm. Yeah, gotta say we'll we'll cover that one at some point here. But um, I referenced that yesterday with a client, a new client. Um, and That's probably been yeah. one of, if not the most important business book I've yeah. read in the last five yeah. years for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a huge impact on you. Yes, I was, 
it was an accident. I mean, I did not, <laughs> you know, and a lot of times this is this is how it rolls, you know, where we'll get together and Brandon's like, hey, what are you, what are you doing? What are you working on? I'm like, I don't know. I got this book here I'm reading. And I'm just, we're just, we're just, what's the word? Palaver, you know, we're just kind of like, yeah, can you look that up? Palaver. Palaver. <laughs> yeah. We're just shooting a breeze, you yeah. know. It's cottywomple. Cottywomple? Cottywomple means to kind of walk around without knowing where your destination is okay You're kind of like plotting. yeah yeah with the jazz hands yeah, yeah right. jazz. no one can see this so i'm off camera cotty womple cotty womple yeah that's a great word i've heard of there. but what Cody-wampus? was the other word yeah cotty womple cotty womple yeah palaver palaver all right yo, i'll <laughs> get back to you on that one <laughs> yeah palaver so we'll get together and we'll be chit-chatting and whatever and um something will just break out that is game changer and yeah. i'm not dude i'm not sitting around going no okay. here's what i have for you today yeah. <laughs> sit my son let me you know I'm like, uh, for many moons i've been you know i'm going back to the old indian no guy, but it's it's idle talk idle talk yeah idle. so cut out the palaver yeah mm. <laughs> well so I, I had been reading that book um i don't know why i don't know who referred it to me one of my coaching buddies probably but uh, man, was that cool! And the pruning, and that's the mm-hmm. point of the book: is hey, you gotta prune, you gotta take and snip, snip, mm-hmm. snip. And there's uh, good reason, you know, and, there, and there's all these reasons, yeah. but for health and growth and so forth. And uh, mm-hmm. yesterday we were working with, you know, no names. <laughs> we were working with uh, some new mm-hmm. folks, and. Uh, it was uh, now you know I'm no HR guy, for okay. sure, <laughs> for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and HR is valuable. All right, it's an important deal. All right, so not trying. Very. You know. So, but anyway, they were going on and on and about this person. We'd literally been talking for what an hour, hour and a half, mm-hmm. and then. Off they go on this man, this guy, and they're just complaining and heat, and this other person, back and forth. These two, these two folks, uh, and you know, I'm like, but we don't know what to do about it. I'm like, really? <laughs> Isn't it a no-brainer? I'm like, well, and then they don't come in on time, and they come in three hours, two hours late, and if I'm not there, it's three hours late, and if I am there, it's a half an hour late. You know, and it's like, I talked to him three times and this and that. I'm like, well, okay, so I'm no HR professional, but you should fire him right now. You know, and they're like, really? Like, listen to yourself. Yeah. I mean, you're just going on and on about this person. And then finally, I'm like, you know, this is pruning. You got to prune. It's always painful to prune. Always, always, always. But it's less painful Mm -hmm. than the destruction that this person is reeking, wrecking on your business, right? So I, there's going back to Lincoln's empathy. I don't think there's anything more than I could empathize with mm. than a, when I sit in a peer group and a mm. business leader is talking about an operations or sales or whatever position and they're really struggling with, you know, letting them go mm-hmm. because I, I'm instantly my like business solving clarity goes from a 10 down mm. to like this soft like mm-hmm. dude, dude i get it mm-hmm. i totally get it mm-hmm. i've been there and yeah 
it's going to take a while yeah. for you to like get all the way there. Let me yeah. give you a few encouragements. I know you're not going to hear them real well because I remember hearing the same. It's like mm-hmm. you got to get over some humps in your head about like have you given that person the proper amount of chances? Mm-hmm. Have you you know, measured them appropriately? Have you, have you eliminated the excuses they could have for why they didn't perform? Are you seeing legitimate growth or are you just trying to convince yourself you're seeing something positive and staying, staying the the knife, so to speak. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's probably been one of the things I've struggled the most with, but there's this great, there's this great line. I think it's in the, the first Incredibles movie, maybe the second one, the second one, the second Incredibles movie, have you seen The Incredibles, those Disney movies? I've seen the first one. I don't remember if I've seen the, the second. second one. They're sitting around the dinner table, and uh, you know they're, they're hiding as superheroes. Um, they, you know, they're like they're trying to be normal, and they won't let their kid Dash, who's an incredibly fast runner, yeah, they won't let him go on the track team. Mm-hmm. And his mom says, like Dash, you know why you can't? Because you'll beat everybody. And um, he's like, Well, mom, come on, I'm special. I want to be out there. And she says, Well, Dash, everybody's special. And he goes, yeah, which is another way of saying no one is. Mm. And I've thought about that, like, in terms of, mm. like, you want your company to be special, you mm-hmm. know? Which, and it's very hard to say, like, this person is not up mm-hmm. to, to the caliber of our organization. Yeah. Um, and, if, and if you're unwilling to do something about it, what you're doing is basically saying, like, everybody's special. Yeah. Which means, like, yeah. your company's not going to be. Yeah. Um, like it's not going to stand out because you're unwilling to say like, we have a line and this person's below it. Yep. Um, not that they can't get to that place. I mean, you want, like, you want to win them to that you want to try and, you know, hopefully set them to a place where they could be special and maybe some other field, but you have to be able to say the strength of the team depends upon us having really individually strong members, not like just talent wise, but like Mm -hmm. hard work and grit and culture Mm -hmm. and character and all that stuff. And, if you have somebody that's not up to that, that's the hardest thing to do is to yeah. say like, yep, we've gotten to that place. The codes are, the keys are turned, the codes are unlocked. Yeah. And now we have to make a really hard choice. Yeah. But what, what I've found over and over again is we've always been better for it. Mm-hmm. And that person too, you know, and I think that's a big part of it is impact. Yeah. And uh, as a business owner who cares about where people end up, you're just thinking about worst case scenario. You know, that person not being able to make a living or what happens to their family situation and, those people end up better too because it wasn't going to work long term. And it, the sooner they make a course correction and get on the right course, that's the next best step they can make. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're actually, they're actually moving forward yeah. at that point. Like right now, if you're in the wrong job, you're sustaining it. You're still moving backwards. Yeah. You know, like you haven't corrected it yet. So, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love how you're kind of stewarding your org. And, and there's, uh, you got to be good at the front door, you know, welcoming, welcoming or preventing the wrong folks, welcoming the right folks. And you got to be good at the back door where you're exiting yeah. the wrong folks <clears throat> and nurturing and retaining the right folks and having a really robust uh, front door process is absolutely key. Uh, I have a number of Amish clients and uh, one particular one lately uh, was trying to get them to see the value of a, we call it the recruiting flywheel, multiple steps. And we don't go on to the next step until we've checked the box on the previous step. Mm-hmm. And it's always starting with culture, always starting with <clears throat> the softer parts 
and eventually we kind of go you're going to be good at this job right i mean you, you know how to you know whatever we need you to do um and this is uh same with southwest airlines they do this this uh flywheel as you will but uh they weren't seeing it i couldn't get them to they're like, well how come we got to take three months to do this and so there's a little early uh kind of interviewing process mm -hmm. and then this zone where it's like hey now let's take 90 days and give this some air and we'll let them hang out here and be our employee for yeah. a while and then we'll make that final call yeah you know which is like you're one of us now mm -hmm. and they were they weren't seeing it <laughs> i was kind of like well so let's say i want to be amish and i just get myself a hat and i come rolling up in a buggy you know and we're good right like I just have to, yeah. You know, I maybe grow a beard for a while. I'll wait till I grow grow it out, and that way, cause I'm married, I'll grow a beard, yeah. you know. And uh, I'm good, right? I mean, uh, to shut off the electricity, I'm fine. Like I, I'm in. And they're like, no. Like, and if I and if I did that, you would be like, well, we'll we'll give this a few laps. So, you know, let's let's see if <laughs> yeah. you're, you know. And they're like, oh, like yeah, you don't just throw the door open. Yeah. And go, come on in, everybody, and we'll maintain our culture with anybody that rolls in here. Yeah. And it would get diluted and distorted, and and, and that then it's not your culture; it's whomever's. Right. That's right. You know, and I'm like, well, and if you want to have culture, somebody's got to be mm -hmm. saying, "I got the fire. I'm gonna carry the fire." Mm -hmm. And that's really, I think, the visionary's job is to say. I have a, what's the, uh, I would say a DNA. Mm -hmm. I have the essence of this culture right here. I know what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fight for it. I'm not going to let anybody like dilute it. Um, yep. It comes right out of my heart and soul. And uh, it's got to be there unapologetically. And you're really good at that. I love that. So uh, good job, buddy. Well, thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Those are high words I'm trying to live up to. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I, uh, so for my clients out there, let me look at the camera. Um, do it like that guy. <laughs> I use you as an example all the time. Uh, but uh, don't, don't feel bad about it. So Shane, roll us out with um, uh, our uh, uh, police song. Again. The same one? Yeah, I love that song. Well, let me just say thanks, brother. Yeah. For all, for all the coaching and counseling along the way. Dude, you're the best. I feel, uh, it's an honor. I feel indebted to uh, the amount of time you've invested in many of these, many of the reasons we have the business we do today are a result of mm. the deep waters that yeah. you've helped me draw some truth out of. So, yeah, it's I'm a grateful. pleasure. Cheers. TTX, Lodestone. Cheers. The police. <laughs> Shane, what year is this? Early 80s? 1981. 81. I was in junior high. You need a little bit more there, Shane? No, I'm good. Thank you. To get through the, to the chorus here. Were you a police fan? Yes. 
Yeah, I didn't have any of their albums. Uh, and during this time, if you didn't have the album, you're at the mercy of the radio. And your cassette recorder. Yeah, if you could, if you could hit record. When you heard it. After the DJ was talking, right? You're like, ah, oh, get the DJ I out missed of it. Yeah. But um, I didn't listen to the, any of the albums until probably 10 years ago. Uh, I didn't have any of those, but I love them. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a little, some of them are inaccessible, I'd say, to me. There's something like a little, I don't know, weird or something. But a little complex. Yeah, yeah, maybe overly complicated. But man, are they good. And uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Stuart Copeland, right? That's a drummer. Very good drummer. Yep. Uh, yes. And Sting is, you know, just wicked good. I mean, he's an amazingly good writer. And we've talked about that. So you played something the other day when we were sitting around. And it got me on the Sting kick. And I've been going through a bunch of Sting stuff. I'm like, the, I don't uh, know enough of his stuff. That uh, Fortress Around Your Heart song. Yes. That's a great song. Which is the, like... That Rick Beato did a Why Sting is Uncopyable song. Like, right. you can copy this guy. Right. You know? Yes. That's a great video. Yeah, that's a good one. My name is And the guitar player is uh, Andy Summers. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that right. right? Yep. Yeah. Love the police. Yeah, me too. I like him a lot. Yeah. He's got a... He's got... He's one of those guys that writes deeply. Like, wrote songs with depth. Yeah. Like, hey, this is not just a. Yeah. This is not just made for radio. Boy, me girls like, or, or girls. Radio likes yes. one fine. Yeah. Fine. Like, yeah. I realize I'm good, but. Yeah. Like, I'm going to write a song that's like poetry yeah. or, or yeah. you know, like yeah. novel, like a novelist. Shane, play uh, uh, Little Black Spot on the Sun. What, what song is that? Yeah. Um, that's such a. That's a great example. It's a radio song. And, like, it's so profound. Mm hmm. There's a song off this album called um, Mother that is not accessible at all. It's just them screaming, and I'm like, I don't get that song. I (laughs) I was gonna play that for you guys. Like, I it's oh, this is a really good one. This is a good one. Nothing like ninths. So who who would you say when the police were touring? Who were they playing with? Who's who's on the front of that ticket? Well, they were kind of in that punk scene. That's how they came into popularity. But man, I don't know. Eighty-one. Like um, what's that guy? Thinking like Prince or something? Um, Idol, Billy Idol? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah would, that, would it be a little later than 80? I mean, well, as a band, I mean, they were definitely band sound. I don't know who they would frontline for or open for, or, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to look it up here. That's why I asked if you listened to him then, because I'm trying to picture the like. Well, the cars would have been in there. Okay, but they're a little bit of a different genre, but. Yeah. Like, would they play with Genesis? 
think? I would, I would say, yeah, they're different. I mean, these guys are three-piece. Uh, Gen- uh, yeah, I would put them with Genesis. I mean, they're British. Yeah. They seem like, it just seems like they would be, and maybe this is just the Sting thing, and be like, we play our own shows. That's right. <laughs> that is, he's a very, I mean, he is a, he is a known quantity. Like, this is how Sting is, Yeah. you know? Uh, Andy Summers, I, I saw an interview with him, and he he was just like, "It's impossible to work with Sting." Yeah, and it like broke. The, it's one of those yeah. broke the mold with that yeah. guy. Like it was just yeah. one of one. It's a great example of a song like that is not about boy meet girl, you know, breakup song, whatever. It's like, it's, there's a lot of meaning in there, and you don't get. I don't know what it's about just by passively listening to it, you know? I love this guitar solo coming up. To me, this is what I wish Rush was. You know, Rush that three-piece band too, and it's this is like rich, much more rich to me. Yeah. Even though it's also inaccessible to me, Rush is often inaccessible. Yeah. But it's almost like it's just needlessly chaotic or needlessly complex. Yeah. You know, Kansas can be like that. Yes. Well, yes, can be like that. Mm-hmm. Kansas is a band that I want to like more than I honestly can. Yeah. Like when they get it right, it's like, can we just? Could you have made five or six more variations of that? Like, not the same song, but like something in that, that same vibe. Some of the old uh, Genesis stuff is very much like that. Which is the which is the progress, right? Yeah, yeah. It's fun to listen to, but it's a little weird. Yeah, it's weird. I mean that. Dance on a Volcano song. Yeah. That's a, like, yeah. it's a cool song. Yeah. That one kind of works, but it's weird. It is weird. And there's other weird stuff off that album. Yeah. Well, there we go, fellas. But then, but then a band like Yes, Yes didn't really do that, right? I mean, Yes, Yes was prog, but they didn't make, like, the overly complex stuff, did they? Where you're like, whoa, I'm not getting that. It because it was groovy. I think because of the groovy nature. Of, I, John Anderson, I I guess I, I'm assuming was kind of the a bit of a driving force creatively, although not an instrumentalist in this in in a way. He played guitar some, but the grooviness I would say kind of like almost like insert here Grateful Dead, mm-hmm. you know. Just a super like wispy, groovy, yeah, seventies flower ch- children sort of thing. I think kept it kind of anchored to the earth. Yeah, somewhat. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, although it's still fifty percent inaccessible to me. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, is this off Synchronicity? Mm-hmm. You know, I love this album. Another one I love, Synchronicity 2. The, the second Synchronicity. Yeah, yes. this is uh, Walking like in Your Footsteps. I just like this. Yeah. And um, 
But yeah, this other one here. Yeah, it's cool. Just drumstick clicks. That's cool. Then he goes up an octave. Mm. Oh yeah, this is great. Is this one? This is the one. Mr. Gridenko, what is that? That's the one before this one. Is that the one? Oh man, what a good song. This is a great song. It had to have been fun to follow these bands when they came out with these albums. Yeah. Like, yes! Yeah, this song is awesome! You know, like the excitement of great yeah. song launched yeah. by an artist you like. Yeah. Yeah, this came out when I was in high school. Yeah. Perfect. Man. Yeah. Oh, man. Exactly. Run down the record store, buy the yeah. record, put it on. Oh. Where would you buy records? Uh, I don't even remember buying records. Downtown, downtown Kent. Uh, Heartland Music. Okay. And there's yeah, another yeah. one near our bookstore, too. Yeah. There's a record store there. Yeah. It's cool. If you're like, a, if you're a police fan, and this is the first track on the album you just bought, I mean, you're just like, <laughs> I got a good week lined up here. That's right. I love that look. Man. Simple. Well, there you go, fellas. 014 is in the can. All right. Good job. That's fun. That was fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it was a pleasure.